Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. I wanna jump in today. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. So let's get started, okay? I hope you get called out today. It's always an awkward, what, wait, what? You know what? What'd you say about my mama, what? No, listen, I hope you get called out today. Actually, say it out loud right now. I'm getting called out today. Getting called out today. Now, when we say getting called out, right, it gets real tricky real fast. I don't know about you, but I love watching other people get called out. My YouTube algorithm is full of so-and-so dunks on so-and-so, right? Twitter beefs, like we, I, we like to watch people go. We don't like to get called out though, right? And in fact, many of us, we kind of build our lives around, okay, how do I make sure that I don't get put on blast, right? I don't get called. There's a weird thing that's happened in culture. It's like this culture war that's happened where, where we do anything we can to not get called out. And in fact, we have kind of comebacks in our arsenal that in case we do, we have some things we can, we can fire back. It's a weird culture war that's happening. What I think is, is a byproduct of that is that the people of God, the people in church, we are trying to pursue Jesus. We have lost our sensitivity to when Jesus calls us out. Because I believe when Jesus calls us out, it's to something better. And what happens is when we have this cringeworthy reaction, when we get called out in culture, right? We sometimes can take that cringe reaction to when Jesus calls out. And I believe that Jesus has something good for us today. So today is about getting called out, but not like you might think. Today is about what happens when Jesus calls us out. And to do that today, I wanna unpack the word of God. I don't wanna just give you social commentary or give you my opinions. I wanna give you the word of God today. And uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna look at a, a, a story in scripture. And one of the things, one of the most profound things I ever heard about the Bible is that it is like a beautiful musical composition. Don't skip notes, don't skip phrases. I heard a guy say that to me and I was like, I don't really get it. Cause I'm not really into classical music like that, right? But that, that idea, that principle hit me really hard when I got my first Ikea dresser. You know, like the Oosk or whatever it's called, right? Like, so I wanted to reword it for you. The word of God is like Ikea instructions. Follow every instruction. Don't skip any steps. Cause if you do, you'll end up with an Allen wrench and a bunch of pieces that you're like, what do I do with these, right? And so I want us to not end up with just a bunch of stuff, a bunch of tools in our hand. I want us to get the fullness that comes from the scriptures, okay? And so when we read the Bible, I want us to understand a couple things. One, the, the Bible is the complete story of God. The ark is God's ark, and, it is, and the central point is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, who came and took the sacrifice for sin, and that he rose again so that we might have relationship with God and we might have eternal life. That is the story of God. Now in that story, there are a lot of sub-stories that kind of build into that, right? Some of them are narrative. Some of them are like the, the stories of people like Joseph, like Abraham, like Samson. Some of them are like, are like advice pieces, right? Like the book of Proverbs, right? It's a book of tweets. You could just tweet a proverb every day and you'd be dope online, right? Like there, there's, there's a mixture of all of those things. And what we're gonna go into is a historical story of the historical Jesus who walked on earth. Jesus really walked. It's not some fable or fairy tale. He's not Huckleberry Finn in that sense. He's the historical Christ. And he walked on earth. And while he's walking, there's an interaction that he has that I wanna take us to. Before we go any further, I just wanna say a quick prayer for us, cool? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the opportunity to um, unpack it. Thank you for the, the gift that it is. And God, I pray that right now you would um, begin to do the thing that only you can do, and that's transform hearts and transform minds. And God, would you, um, would you call us out to a, to a new place today? Would you silence our hearts, silence our minds? Would you tune us in to what you're doing here? You're good. We love you. Amen. Okay, so the historical Christ, when we think about Jesus historically, the, 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 the PR group of the old school church has some work to do because I always used to see Jesus as this dude who wore like a nightgown and he would do this to people all the time, right? That's not the historical Christ. The historical Christ was a man's man, right? Like he would hang out with dudes and he would interact with crowds and he would, he would do things that regular people would do. But he'd bring this power with him, right? The power of God. And so what happens is, Jesus steps to the scene, and when we get to the book of Mark chapter 5, which is what we're going to unpack today, by the time we get to this part of his story, he has already performed numerous miracles. He was born. That was a miracle. Water to wine. He heals, he heals a, a guy who has a messed up hand. He takes a bunch, of, uh, a, a bunch of pigs, and he casts his demon into them, and then he frees this guy up from this like possession thing. It's supernatural in that sense. And he's gaining a following. Because you got to imagine, if someone's doing that in your neighborhood, you got to go, who is this person? We've never seen power like this. We've never experienced this. So Jesus is gaining a following. And when we see Jesus teaching and preaching from like the side of a boat or the side of the ocean or on a hill, he's doing that because he wants to break the mold, but he's also doing that because he couldn't actually bring his message into the synagogue because they couldn't fit all the people. So what they would do is they would put him outside and he would be able to yell a little bit louder and that would, get his, that, that would be, be able to get his message across. And he preached some bangers on the side of these hills, right? So in Mark 5, when we pick it up, Jesus has just freed a guy up, healed him spiritually. And now he jumps in a boat and he's headed to the other side of this large body of water. And we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Verse 21, it says, it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jesus hasn't even got out of the boat yet and there's a crowd waiting for him. Think about the massive, the massive movement that must have happened there where they're waiting, like, is he here yet? Is he, they're waiting for this guy. And in this crowd of people, there are a lot of individuals, right? Every crowd is made up of individuals. And really, as you think about the large crowds that followed Jesus back then and the large crowds that follow Jesus now, I think there are really four distinct categories that almost everyone could fall into or at least see themselves in. First one I want to call out is these people who follow the formula, right? The follow the formula people, you know these people, A plus B equals C. So if I do this, I should get that. I come to church, I serve on team, I get the blessings, God. Problem two, I come to church, I say the prayer, I get what I want, right? It's the, it's the formula people. So in this crowd of people, there've got to be folks who are like, okay, if I step this way when I'm supposed to step this way, if I zig when I'm supposed to zig and I zag when I'm supposed to zag, I should end up with the blessing I'm supposed to have, right? So you have to follow the formula people in the crowd. Other folks in the crowd, they're more like the fans in the stands, and these are the folks that are there to see the spectacle. Like, Jesus is doing cool stuff. I'm interested. Like, I like a good healing. I like a good, a good cry. This is nice. I'll check this out. They, the, the folks, the folks in, 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 in our modern day that might translate that, those are these are the folks who are like, yeah, worship set's cool. I'll come through. The music's good. I'll, I'll vibe to it, you know? Can I wait till after the sermon to give my tithe and offering, though? Because I want to see how much I want to give, you know? Like a $7 sermon doesn't get a $10 bill kind of thing, right? So, so those are the followers in the formula, fans in the stands. And then you have the people that are more so the forensics folks. 
And these are the folks that like kind of nitpick every little detail, right? They're trying to find what's the magic behind the trick, right? Like what's the reason why they did this? They're producing everything. I am a forensics person, naturally. I'll be watching a wonderful movie with my wife. She's crying and I'm like, they went with the pastels, huh? Hmm. Bummer, right? Like I can't really enjoy it, right? Because I'm trying to understand what's behind the curtain. And so in this crowd, there are these people. There, there are different kinds of people. And Mark 5, I want to pick this up right here. Jesus is about to get out of the boat. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Jesus gets out the boat, large crowd is there. Important guy named Jairus comes up and he goes, listen, my daughter's sick, we need you. Jesus says, I got you. They start moving. Imagine the trickle effects of like, Jesus is about to do another miracle. Yo, let's go, get up, let's go. He's about to do it, come on, come on, let's go. So the crowd starts to move. This crowd of people. I told you there were four distinct kind of people, right? In the crowd. The fourth one, the forgotten. And, and unfortunately, I feel like we live in an era where people feel more forgotten than anything. The world is moving as fast as it's ever moved. People are changing. Things are moving. And oftentimes, we feel like we're forgotten. Like we might be in the room with people, but we're not with people. They're forgotten. And so we're going to look at the story of someone in that crowd who feels forgotten. Let's pick it up at uh, Mark 5, 25. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. There was a woman. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years. What's her name? We just heard this guy's name. His name is Jairus. We know what he does. This woman is defined by the thing that's wrong with her. She doesn't even have a name. The only thing worse than not having a name, right, is being called Karen. <laughs> I feel like there's a person named Karen who needs to know, like, go by your middle name for just a couple more months. We're almost out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Look, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood, have you ever felt like your identity is wrapped up in the thing that's wrong with you? Have you ever felt like, you know, I'm just the impatient dude. You know, I'm just the girl who has anxiety. You know, I'm just the dad who's never really gonna be enough. You know, I'm just the person who's kind of the, the lone wolf. You ever, you ever identified yourself by the thing that's wrong with you? If so, maybe you have something in common with this woman. And maybe God can call you out to something even better. So she has this discharge of blood for 12 years. I come from the student ministry world. Back in, when I would teach this to student ministry uh, to kids and to teenagers, I would have to explain what this idea of discharge of blood is, right? Well, I feel like we're all pretty grown up here. This is a blood issue that's happening inside of her, right? It's not a bloody nose. It's not a scraped up finger. It is an issue of blood that's happening inside of her. And, and it's being expressed on the outside. So we see the blood. We see the issue. But we don't always see the core of the issue in this woman, right? And she's been dealing with this for 12 years. And as I was reading this passage, I was like, 12 years? Why'd they call that out? This feels like a long time, but, but is it a long time? Like if, if I live till I'm 80, is 12 years really a long time? I don't know. So I got to thinking, and God, God really gave me this. I want, I want you to understand this so you can know just how long 12 years is. Let me ask you this question. What was the number one song in this country 12 years ago? It's his family time, we're supposed to talk back. Say, yeah, yell out an option. In sync, black eyed peas. I'm gonna bring it to you. Someone hit it. Give it to us. Gotta get, 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 get. 
Curry, young yeah, black yeah. eyes peas with some fist bump into this song in 2009. You know it! Yeah. And I bet you, yeah. I bet you if I gave you 100 bucks, you wouldn't be able to tell me who those last two guys are. I have no idea who those guys are. And the last thing I want to call out about 12 years ago, why is a grown man just wearing a scarf just because? Like, this was back when you wear jean shorts and you show up with a scarf on in the summer. You're like, yeah, man, I'm trendy. I'm cool. This is weird, right? 12 years is a long time. <laughs> We've come a long way from 12 years. Think about your life. Think about 12 years ago in your life. Think about all of the experiences that you've had over the last 12 years. All of the ups, all of the downs, all of the growth, all of the relationships you've built, all of the places that you've visited, all the things that you've learned and tried and experienced. This woman has had this problem for 12 years. 12 years is a long time. And it's important to note as we unpack the scriptures that, that this woman is not just kind of sick just to be sick. She is what's called unclean in culture that day. That means this. That means whatever she touches also becomes unclean. And the big problem with being unclean is you can't be around anyone because anything you touch is contaminated at that point. So if Jesus is, is looking at this woman in the crowd and, and seeing her, he would technically be unclean. That could be a problem for him. That could be a problem for everyone else in the crowd. So she, you got to imagine she's like hiding in the wind, right? Like, yo, I hope no one sees me. I hope no one noticed me, but she's desperate. It's also important to note that the synagogue would have been the place where the scriptures would have been read, where the presence of God would have been around. She's not allowed to go there. So for 12 years, she can't even encounter God. She can't even go to church. She's going through it. So imagine the level of desperation that she might have in the crowd, knowing she's breaking all of these rules. She's desperate. Now, I don't know if you have an issue of blood, but I do know what it's like to feel desperate. I don't know what it's like to feel desperate for love, acceptance, hope, guidance, purpose. So they have a lot in common with this lady with this issue. I think we all do. But Jesus is going to call her out. So let's pick it up at Mark 5, 26. Who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So it's not like, she, it's not like she's the kind of person who is sick and just kind of sits around and goes, well, I hope I get better. She actually does what she's supposed to do, right? There's doctors. So she goes, cool, I'll save money. I'll give them to the doctors. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll pull my bootstraps up and get it done. But it doesn't work. She did everything that culture told her to do, everything that her, maybe her family, everything, maybe her friends, everything, everything that she was supposed to culturally do, she tried to do. And actually she ended up worse. And in fact, they would take her money and put her in a worse spot and send her back out. You ever felt like that? Where like you tried to follow something that wasn't Jesus and, and it ended up putting you in a worse spot than when you started? We have a lot in common with this woman. So Mark 5, 27, she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. She didn't have all the answers. She didn't know exactly what to do, but she did know there was something about Jesus that she just had to get close to. You see, there's something about the presence of Jesus that just attracts people. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm not sure about this whole church thing. What would attract you to this thing is the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. And if you're in here, you're going, how do I get my friends and my family to come understand? Bring the presence of Jesus with you. So she sees this Jesus moving by, and she thinks, if I just even touch his garment, maybe, maybe. She's literally bleeding out, literally dying. She reaches out, and she touches his garment. And immediately, like that, 
healing. Now, why is that so important? Why is that such a big deal? It's such a big deal because the power of Jesus has the ability to change your situation just like that. Just like that. If you would just take a step and reach, the power of Jesus can change your situation right now. It's an absolute epic miracle that happens with her, right? And I got to thinking as I was looking at this, like, wait, she can't be the only person with an issue in the crowd, right? Like, it's a crowd full of people. There's got to be someone who's like, got a hip problem, right? Got a meniscus or whatever. Where's the meniscus? I don't even know, right? But you got one, right? And, and they got issues, right? Why is it just her who gets this healing? Why isn't the story of like, Jesus, all these people got healed in the crowd? I'll tell you why. There's a huge difference between bumping into Jesus and deliberately encountering him. A huge difference. And what I don't want to happen as, as our church grows, I don't want people just bumping into Jesus. I want you to have a personal encounter with him. I want you to come to the spot where you realize, Jesus, you've got the thing that I need. You've got the only hope from me. I'm absolutely out of it. I got no other options, Lord, I need you. And when that happens, let me tell you something, miracles happen. And this is an epic miracle. And this isn't even the main point of the story, right? Tim Keller says it like this. Tim Keller is a uh, pastor and an author, really has directed the church and our culture for a long time. Um, he says, it's impossible to have met the real Jesus and be indifferent. When you encounter Jesus, something changes. Something changes, and it can change like that. Let's continue the story. Mark 5.30. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. You know what I hate when people ask obvious questions? Who touched me? You're in a crowd full of people. What do you mean who touched you? It's like if you were to walk into a middle school locker room right now, and you'd be like, who smells in here? Everybody, everybody smells in there. It's like, Jesus, these people are bumping into you. You don't see, you don't see all these people. Why are you saying that? She said, no, 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 no. Somebody, somebody touched me. Somebody, somebody connected with me. And he stops what he's doing. Mind you, he's on his way to do a miracle for a very important person, a leader in the synagogue. And he stops, says, somebody here needs me. Look, you're busy. I get it. The world is busy. I get it. Jesus isn't busy. Jesus is not too busy. Jesus is not too busy to stop where he is right now and interact with you if you will have a personal encounter with him. He's not too busy for you. Your family might be, your friends might be, your work might be, whatever might be, but Jesus is not too busy for you. So he stops and he goes, all right, I'm not going anywhere. Try to change Jesus' mind. Good luck with that, right? So cool. So he goes, okay, what now? So verse 33, the woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Woman recognizes, look, there's no getting away from this. Like, I'm stuck here in this crowd. So she steps forward. And she steps forward trembling. Why didn't she step forward like, it was me. I got the healing. What's up? Watch this. Oh, snap. She didn't do that. She came forward trembling in fear. She was scared. Was she scared because she thought maybe Jesus would take back the blessing? Was she scared because maybe, maybe Jesus would find out that she wasn't even supposed to be there and, 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 and see that and go, oh, you shouldn't even be here. Give me that blessing back. I wonder how many of us, when Jesus calls us out, like he calls this lady out, might not step out the crowd because we're worried about the things that we did yesterday or worried about the mistakes we made last year. 
We're worried about what people around us might think. They're going to know it was me. This lady comes forward scared to death. And she, she's trembling. She's, she's shaking. She's probably ugly crying, heavy, right? Like she's, she's worried. And she tells him the whole story. 12 years. She tells him over the course of 12 years. She goes on and tells every, he listens to every single word. If you started telling me what you ate for breakfast, I zone out after eggs. Okay, cool. That guy had breakfast, whatever, right? Like Jesus listens to every word. He's not too busy for you. And in fact, if you would engage him, he will come to you and he will hear every single thing that's going on. He wants to hear from his people. He wants to hear from you. So how does this story kind of end? Well, let's look at Matthew 5, 34. And Jesus said to her, patient? No. Jesus said to her, hey, woman? No. Karen? No. Outcat? No. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This story starts with a lady who doesn't even have a name. And it ends with Jesus calling her daughter. I have a daughter. She's two years old. And one thing that will always be true is she will be able to come to me and I will be able to give her identity. You're my daughter. So when she comes to me with whatever problem is going on in her life, whether it's she fell down at a playground or mom won't give her the orange spoon, whatever it might be, she comes to me with a problem, she's gonna be able to tell me. And she'll go out there and she'll make mistakes, but she's gotta know she can always come to me. And this is where she gets her identity, right here from her dad. Nobody else gives her her identity. They might try, but here is where she can be who she is, who she's created to be. Jesus gives this woman her identity. And I believe today, right now, he wants to do the same for you. He wants to give you your identity. Because I don't believe he called her out to check her on all the things she did wrong. I think he called her out to give her her name, daughter, to give you your name, daughter, son, child, your mind. You see, when Jesus calls us out, it's not like you'd expect. He doesn't call us out to rub the stuff in our face that we did wrong. He calls us out to give us our identity so that we don't have to continue to follow the formula step for step and feel all the stress of getting it right all the time so that we don't have to sit in the stands and go, this is really, really nice, so that we don't have to dissect everything and so that we don't have to feel like we're alone and forgotten. Jesus calls all of us out into his family. And if he's gonna call you out today, it's going to be into the family of God. You could be in your church your whole life and never respond to Jesus calling you out. And my hope and my prayer for my family here as your visiting relative is that you would today, you would see the goodness, the compassion, the kindness, the gentleness of Jesus. And you'd respond when he says, come here, come here. He doesn't have to yell. He doesn't have to yell. You know why he doesn't have to yell? Because he's real close. Because he's right there with you. You don't yell at somebody who's right here. You whisper. So maybe he's whispering to you today, saying, hey, come out the crowd. Hey, I got you. Hey, you feel forgotten? I got you. Hey, you feel like you gotta get it all together and do it right every time or the world's gonna crumble around you? Hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. I got you. I want 
you to respond to Jesus calling you out today. So let me, uh, let me, let me do this with us as we, as we start to wrap up our time here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of action. I'm a big fan of doing stuff. I'm a big fan of, of responding to what God is doing because we're only talking about this woman because, because she responded. She could have taken her miracle and just went home, right? She was healed. She was done. I'm out. But because she's responded to Jesus, she gets her identity and she gives us a template to look at, to understand just how good, how good Jesus is. So let me ask you to do something right now. Bow your heads right now and close your eyes. Think about your life for a second. Just take a second and think about it. You know, it's so much noise in the world. We often don't get a time to like, just sit for a second. Think about where you are in this crowd of people here, right? This crowd of people on a Sunday morning. Are you trying to follow the formula? Get it all right and all will be good? A plus B equals C? Are you, are you on the sideline thinking like, man, this is, just, this is really fun. Are you feeling a little bit of a tug to get off the sidelines and get in? Step out of the crowd? Are you the person who finds yourself just dissecting every little bit of every detail and never really been able to enjoy the presence of God? Or do you feel forgotten? Do you feel like the world has passed you by? Your best years are behind you or they might never ever come? Jesus is calling you. He's saying, hey, come here. You're my son. Come here, you're my daughter. Come here, let me give you your identity. Let me tell you who you are. And maybe today you're ready to respond to that for the first time or where you look at your life and you go, I haven't been, I haven't been encountering Jesus the way that I know I want to. And maybe you're in a spot where you wanna to go to a new place with God today. You wanna to go to a new place with Jesus. Well, the good news is, Jesus, he did all the work to get you ready for that spot. He woke you up and got you here today. Think about that for a second. And on the cross, as he's, as he's on the cross and his arms are stretched out, he is taking the place for anything that might stand in your way of experiencing his fullness and his goodness. All of sin, all the things that you wish you could do that didn't, but you didn't do, all the things that you know you should have did, but you, but you didn't do, all of those things that stop you from experiencing his goodness, he's already paid the price for. This woman, she had the issue of blood. What's the issue that's stopping you? You can bring that to him. He paid for it on the cross. And the best part of this story is not on the cross. The best part of the story is three days later, after Jesus has died and been buried, and when he comes walking out of the grave, and when he comes walking out of the grave, he, he literally did that because he wanted to show us his family that there is nothing, no, nothing high, nothing low, nothing this way, nothing that way that could separate us from his power and his love. Whatever it is you're facing down right now, whatever it is that's stopping you from stepping up right now, the power of Jesus is available to overcome it. All you gotta do is respond. Just step out. Just step out and say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Heal me. Here I am, God. I need you to tell me who I am. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer. It's not magic words in prayer. It's just more so like, like our hearts vibe to language, right? And if that's you and you agree with these words, I just want you to say this prayer 
in your own words to God right now. Say, God, I need you. Jesus, tell me who I am. Jesus, call me out. Jesus, I want to respond to you. Jesus, I need you. And maybe you're in here and this is your first time in church and you've been in church for a while or haven't been here, whatever that might be, and you've never really understood just the power of Jesus right now. And you, for the first time, want to allow Jesus to come into your heart and be the center of your life. You maybe for the first time want to respond to his goodness. Or maybe you, you look at your life, you're like, I'm not doing I'm not doing what I know is best for me. I'm not following Jesus like I'm a member of his family. And maybe it's a time for you to go, you know what? I need to, I need to let him come close to me. I need to tell him. I need to allow his goodness to come into me. So if that's you and you wanna, you wanna receive Jesus, accept Jesus, or even come back to Jesus today, right now in this moment, I want you to reach out. I want you to reach out. Like that woman reached out. I want you, on a count of three, I'm gonna count to three, and I just want you to reach out as a symbol of like, yes, Jesus, I want you. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say a prayer for you as well. And all you need to do is just ask him and he will show up. Jesus, you're good. We need you to come close to us, Lord. We need you to call us out, God, to our identity, to, our, to your goodness, to your wholeness, to your fullness, to your power, to your compassion. Be the Lord of our life. Be the center of our life. God, we know you have great things in store for us. So we want every single bit of who we are in you to be on display. Love you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 